networks are so important in every industry. I mean, that networks are hugely critical because they essentially start with relationships, which I believe are the building blocks of the foundation for what you need to be impactful in society. Hi, my name is Gabriella Denry, MD, Life Coach at Doc Working, and welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. And today I'm excited to bring to you our next guest, Dr. Kemi Olugemo, who is a neuroscience researcher and a strong advocate for women in science. And I wanted to bring her in to talk about her take of leadership in 2021 and beyond. Dr. Kemi Olugemo, welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. Thank you so much, Gabriella. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, thank you for being here. And we're just going to like dive in. You have one heck of a bio, and I'm going to let you tell your story a little bit. And well, what is your story in medicine? If you can give us kind of a synopsis and what motivated you to actually become a doctor to pursue this path? Oh, absolutely. So I'm asked that question a lot. And you may or may not know that I'm actually Nigerian originally. So I was born in Nigeria and I immigrated to the United States in 1994. And typically, you know, in our culture, a lot of Nigerian parents, they have certain predefined career paths that they think their children should take. You know, you want to become a lawyer, a doctor. And my parents weren't necessarily like that, to be quite honest. And growing up, I really loved science, but I also loved literature and I loved reading and writing, and I wanted to be a reporter. But I came to the States, and I decided to study clinical laboratory science. And while I was in my undergrad, I was working in a lab with a female researcher, and she's the one who really sowed the seed of, you know, potentially going to medical school and become a a physician. And, you know, at that time, I hadn't really given it much thought. But because I knew that career path for doctors, you know, really were quite broad and there was a variety of things that I could do and I could incorporate, you know, my writing and research into that field, I decided to go to medical school. So I ended up choosing neurology just because I love neuroscience, although a lot of medicine is interesting, as you know, and I practiced. I actually practiced for a few years before sort of making a pivot and going essentially back to research in my mind. And I did both. So I volunteered. I saw patients on a volunteer basis for a number of years after switching over to the pharmaceutical industry. But eventually I had to give it up. So even though I still have a medical license, an active license, I'm not seeing patients currently. So Kemi, you mentioned something in what you just said, and I hope you don't mind me asking a little further, that you had to stop the clinical work. And was there any particular reason or is just, it was just too much to handle? You were in research and seeing patients and it sounds like you had to make a choice. I did. That's a very good question. So in addition to doing residency training in neurology, I did a fellowship in neuroimmunology and multiple sclerosis. So when I was in private practice, I was seeing a hybrid of MS patients and then general neurology, including adults and pediatrics. And at that time, even though we were getting a lot of new treatments for MS patients, there was still quite a you know, great need in progressive MS, for example. And I had more than a handful of patients who would ask me repeatedly when we would get you know, therapies, disease-modifying therapies for progressive MS. There seemed to be a lot of focus on relapsing and multiple sclerosis. And 
there were people who even, you know, sort of cornered me and said, listen, I know this is probably not going to work for me, but if I have family members develop this disease, you know, I don't want them to end up wheelchair dependent like I am. And for me, being able to work in research gave me the opportunity to make a difference rather than one-on-one, one patient at a time on a more global scale. As I mentioned, I still continue to see patients on a volunteer basis. I'd like to just do MS clinic at the VA, and there are a few reasons for that, but the biggest reason really is that I love the VA and I love veterans, so that was wonderful. But over time, as you mentioned, it just became too much. My responsibilities increased and research, and the time it took to you know, commute to the clinic I was in and see the patients and maintain, you know, a semblance of a normal follow-up that a doctor would was just, it was too much on my schedule. And I felt like, you know, any patient that I was seeing deserved to have a doctor who was 100% available and dedicated. But I still have a license and, you know, I mean, I would love to be able to, to go back to volunteering wherever there's a need. Do you consult in Nigeria as well? Because I know you still have ties back there. So I still have family there. I would love to go either there or to another African country and just, you know, like a Habitat for Humanity type of assignment, something like that, and Doctors Without Borders, and just be able to get in there and actually contribute and volunteer my abilities. But I haven't been able to do that so far. So that's one of my long-term goals. Excellent. Excellent. But I mean, I'm impressed. And at times I'm like, how do you do it all? Because to be honest, you are currently not only involved in clinical research, but you're also in leadership in several organizations that advocate for women in science and that advocate for women of color in pharma to give women a larger voice in some of these industries. So there are two organizations right now that you're actively involved in, one called Women of Color in Pharma. And you're also a board member for Watermark, which also is dealing with women in leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more about each of those organizations and what makes that important to you to be part of that? Yeah, absolutely. So Women of Color in Pharma, or WOSIP, was created about five years ago. And the co-founder created this organization because she realized that there was a specific need for Black and Latina women in particular in the pharmaceutical industry, that there was a gap in terms of their visibility and their leadership development. And that was really created to address those issues. And I'm just really extremely proud of the work that she's been able to do along with the rest of the leadership team. You know, not only have we been able to show tangible results in terms of the careers that, you know, have been impacted by the organization, but now the organization has actually pivoted to focus on health equity and looking at health equity in terms of the entire life sciences ecosystem. So not just within each company you know, uh, looking at supplier diversity, looking at clinical trial diversity, including clinical trial sites, investigators, making sure that everyone's voice is represented and everyone has the ability to participate in clinical research so that when drugs are approved, we know that they've been tested in representative populations. So I really love a lot of the work that WOSIP is doing. I am currently serving as the director of communications on the board, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I myself have been able to notice what that has done for my career, both in my daytime job and in other situations, right? So you're more used to being seen and visible. 
you realize over time that what you're doing has an impact on just many people that you don't realize until they start to tell you, well, I saw you and I heard what you said. I didn't realize, you know, the importance of networks, for example, or getting a mentor or getting a sponsor. Similarly, Watermark is another organization that's focused on female leadership and empowerment. It's a broader representation. So it's agnostic to any specific industry and it's for all women, no matter how you identify. And so that's a newer role that I have. But again, something that's really important to me because I'm here today, yes, largely from my efforts, but because I have a village of people who have supported me, given me opportunities, given me direction, given me counsel, and continue to be there, you know, as part of my community and networks are so important in every industry. I mean, that networks are hugely critical because they essentially start with relationships, which I believe are the building blocks of the foundation for what you need to be impactful in society. More after this message from Doc Working Thrive. We have something really exciting at Doc Working that we want to tell you about. It's called the Doc Working Thrive Subscription Membership. And it's almost a little bit like burnout insurance. If you don't need that, you just want another way to know how to thrive. This is it. This subscription includes weekly video tips delivered straight to your inbox, exciting small monthly group coaching sessions where you actually have access to be coached by one of our top coaches at Doc Working. You get access to virtual courses, including STAT, Quick Wins to Get Your Life Back, a leadership course called A New Era of Physician Leadership, and another course called Communication for the Win. All of these courses are delivered virtually, so you can do it on your own time and with your own schedule. And you also will have access to 24-7 private Thrive Physician Facebook community. All of these different features come to you as part of the subscription. It's an incredible value. We are so excited for this community. Don't wait. Go right now to docworking.com to find out how you can sign up for the Docworking Thrive subscription membership. Now, you mentioned that you derived a lot of personal benefits from being part of Women of Color in Pharma in terms of your own visibility and realizing what impact you had as well, or like people coming up to you and say, you know, I saw you here or I heard you there. And how do you think that that impacts or how does that fill the leadership gap that you talked about for women of color moving in the ranks? So many times you don't envision yourself in a particular role if you haven't seen someone like you represented in that role. And so having that representation there it's so important because people realize that, you know what, this is not something that's untenable or, you know, unattainable. I can actually get here. I can get to this position. And so to me, that's really important, you know, as part of whatever I'm doing that makes me happy and gives me fulfillment, that I'm going as far as I can because I'm reaching back and, you know, giving the same opportunities and making it easier. I don't want my daughter to be having the same conversation that we're having today in terms of, you know, there's not adequate female representation, there's not adequate representation for people of color in leadership positions. I want her to just be able to be a leader at full stop, you know, but we're not going to get there until all of us are contributing and are addressing issues in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Kemi, thank you so much for bringing those points up because 
you know, I came up in medical school and medical training probably a few years before you did. And at the same time, the conversation around leadership and representation sounds eerily familiar, even with the difference in years. What I see now, though, and what I'm very encouraged by is that there are more women in leadership. You know, it's a slow process, but they're there. And you're absolutely right. Having more women of color in leadership means that somebody coming up can say, hey, this person is there. I can do it, too. And hey, let me reach out. And maybe this person can be my mentor because we can't do it alone. Nobody can do it alone. And that, I think, are very important points that you bring up. Relationships, networks, mentorship. And I would add sponsorship. Sponsorship is different from mentorship, as you know. A mentor is someone who is a resource and can guide you, but a sponsor knows you and uses their social capital to actually help you advance. So they actually would speak about you in the room when you're not there and would create opportunities for you. So they're both equally important, but I think sponsorship is critical to advancement. Can a mentor be a sponsor too? I mean, it's a separate function, but have you met people do both? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had people that have served in both roles for me, who initially were mentors and actually pushed me to apply for roles that I didn't feel ready for. And, you know, reminded me that this is why I think that you're capable of doing this position. So absolutely agree. The key with a sponsor is that a sponsor has power and they're using Mm -hmm. their power on your behalf. Excellent distinction. Thank you for bringing that up. I think what's interesting as you talk about that is that sometimes somebody on the outside can see certain things about you that you don't see in yourself. And so when you mentioned being pushed into like somebody saying, hey, I believe you, I believe in you, and I think you would be a great fit for this role. And, you know, I may not see it that way. It's like, well, I'm not ready. But the other person sees something in you that you may not see in yourself. And so I think that that, too, brings up a a good point. So, you know, to anybody coming up after anybody looking at leadership, it's like sometimes if somebody pushes you out of your comfort zone, go for it because you already have it in you to make this happen. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. And growth comes from discomfort, right? So you're not going to grow if you're comfortable. Absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Knowing what you know now and through all the experiences in research and medicine, what do you think are the key ingredients for being an effective leader in 2021? So that's a great question. You know, I think about all the disruption that we've had from the COVID pandemic and the people that have really stood up to lead in this particular crisis that we've had. And so many of the traits and competencies that leaders have had through the pandemic, I think, are relevant to really every facet of society and vocation, no matter what your role is. And so what are some of those competencies? Being able to adapt, situational adaptability, I think, is really key for any leader to have. I think courage is sometimes lacking and being courageous enough to take the first step to address a problem, being courageous enough to point out inequities when you see them. Courage at the top of leadership, especially for issues that may be very difficult or sensitive, is critically important. And I think that's a skill that every leader just needs to have. Being able to manage networks effectively is also important, as we've mentioned. And then the last one I'll mention is being able to manage conflict. 
which, you know, will arise and being able to do that without letting emotion sort of take over and do that from a balanced perspective, I think is important. So if I'm hearing you correctly, courage, you kind of put that at the top of your list, the courage to have hard conversations, the courage to point things out that need to be pointed out, the courage to take action around those sometimes uncomfortable situations, adaptability. And I'm going to ask you a little more about that. What does that mean for you? And what does that mean in general to be adaptable? So I think about different situations that you're going to find yourself in. So one of the things we had to do to adapt last year was to adapt to working in a different environment that you normally would be used to, right? So if you're a physician working in a hospital, you know, there were certain engineering controls that were put in place because of the pandemic that normally would not be in place that you had to adapt to. You had to adapt to the new rules in terms of the way you interact with patients and anybody else within the ecosystem because of the risk of contracting COVID. Similarly, for someone like me, who was not working in a hospital, but used to working and commuting to an office, and then you have to convert that to a home office in the midst of taking care of children, family, loved ones, pets, whatever your particular situation is, handling all of that in addition to your daytime job, in addition to whatever else, you know, you're dealing with on a personal basis, you know, that's what I'm referring to. So adapting to any scenario and being able to do it and continue to do your work in that scenario. Thank you for that. So I'm going to say one phrase that may oversimplify what you just said. It's like with the circumstances to be able to keep it moving and to move with what is presented in front of you. I don't know if that would be an accurate summary of adaptability, but adaptability, courage, as we talked about, networking, as you mentioned so well, how important it is to continue building on relationships and conflict, conflict resolution, facing conflict, dealing with conflict, rather than kind of just leaving it fester, which is a lot of times what happens, it's avoided, but this is the day and age when we can't avoid that anymore for the benefit of our patients, the benefit of all of the people that we serve in all capacities that we serve them. And so Dr. Kemi Olugemo, thank you so much for being part of Doc Working the Whole Physician podcast. Thank you for bringing these wonderful takes on leadership and women of color in leadership in 2021 and what that means and our responsibility for the young women who are coming after us. Any closing thoughts? Thank you so much, Gabriella. It was my pleasure to chat with you today. In closing, I would just say, you know, it's important to give yourself grace in, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in. And I think that as much as I've talked about leadership and advancement and empowerment and moving ahead, there are many times in which we need to sort of step aside and gain perspective in terms of what we already have and what we've accomplished. And I think sort of being able to be still and to be grateful is equally important in addition to everything that I've mentioned, because that's going to set you up for success in whatever you decide to take on next. So definitely use the networks that you have, recognize that you have power, recognize your purpose, and give yourself grace while you're doing the best you can. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Thank you. Those are wise words to conclude the podcast recording. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope we can bring you back as a guest later on, perhaps next year. I appreciate all your words and your contribution today. Thank you.
Thank you so much. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. And thank you for listening.